Hi everyone and welcome to the Panama Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Um, I hope you're all keeping safe and well. Um, and I am delighted to welcome a new guest to the show today. Um, um, he's an author, a uh, blogger, does a lot of writing um, and talking a lot about mental health, talking a lot about a lot of other things. Um, Tim Fall, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I've been um, been wanting to, to have you on the show for a while. It's, it's really great to have you here. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you do it. So just tell us a bit about kind of what you, what you do, and then we'll get into your story. Uh, I'll give the uh, brief synopsis that I sometimes use for uh, bios at places where I'm either teaching or speaking, uh, and I'll put in there something along the lines of uh, Tim Fall is a California native who uh, went to three different colleges, changed his major four times, and took six years to get a bachelor's degree in a subject that he's never been called on to use professionally. <laughs> and I think that's a, a good summary of my life. I don't know that I've had plans that I have followed through a thread on, <laughs> but uh, still life seems to have worked out well. Um, I have a wonderful family and live in Northern California. Uh, I was born in San Francisco, and I am a California native. Uh, and for the last 25 years, I have been a... Uh, trial court judge uh, in a uh, court that uh, might be similar to what people think of as the Queen's Bench uh, there uh, where you are. Uh, wow, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that's a pretty cool job. And uh, you tell, you, you've read a book where you tell a bit of your story as well. Um, and it's called Running for Judge, um, which is a really interesting book and a really interesting story. Um, so, I mean, you talk about uh, the book's kind of about your it's a, it's kind of a about 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 a judicial election, but also about mental health as well. And so, just tell us the story behind that book and your experiences. Well, I started thinking that I was going to write a book about the re-election campaign. I know that probably seems odd to uh, people uh, in other jurisdictions, but in California, we uh, have elected judges. Uh, most judges are actually appointed by the governor to fill out a term where uh, mm -hmm. someone has retired. We have over 1,500 judges in California alone. Uh, we're the largest uh, judiciary uh, in uh, the U.S., including the uh, federal uh, court system. Uh, we're even bigger than they are. Um, and uh, the governor will appoint somebody usually to fill out a term, but then we do have to run for re-election. Um, and uh, you can go for your entire career without facing a challenger because challenges are pretty rare, but they do happen. And so I went through two re-election cycles. Uh, without facing a challenger, and then I finally did uh, after I'd been on the bench for 13 years. Uh, we have six-year terms, and yeah. so uh, we go through that process of re-election usually without anything really happening, and then it finally did for me. And I thought I was going to write a re-election memoir, 
but the more I thought about it, the more I realized I needed to write uh, the memoir of what it was like to go through the re-election, which turned it into a mental health memoir uh, draped over a judicial re-election. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fascinating story in itself. Um, yeah, and it is interesting how the judicial system is different. Either. We, don't, we don't generally elect our, our judges at all. They tend to be appointed... Um, yeah, it's a very different system, but but yeah, I mean the stress of actually I've never so yeah so never having actually had to fight an election and then having to do that that must have been a very stressful experience. Yeah, it threw me for a loop uh, emotionally, uh, stress wise, and what stress does to your body, mm. uh, what it can do to your brain chemistry, and. Uh, I went through all of that, uh, and uh, as I mentioned in the book, it took a toll on me, both physically and mentally, uh, to where I got extremely sick uh, physically, and uh, my uh, mental health as well, and I had to um, be uh, smart enough to seek medical care uh, for all of the stuff that was going on with me. Uh, through that campaign season. And we have long campaign seasons in California. Uh, we don't do quick turnarounds. So someone can announce that they're running for even something like a local state judgeship like mine. And it, that announcement can come six or seven months before the election itself will occur. Yeah, that's right. And Wow, I mean, physical manifestations of... Of that, of, of that stress and anxiety, that's really challenging. I mean, the job must be stressful in itself without the kind of stress of the re-election and all the anxiety that that brought. So that, that, um, that must have taken a big toll. Well, and that's one of the things that my uh, physician was talking to me about at the very beginning. Um, and uh, he was saying that my stress from the job was uh, constant, and I was telling him, well, I don't feel any stress from the job. And he said, no, of course not, because you're used to it by now. You think this is normal, <laughs> but you're carrying stress. And now you're going through this, and it just sends you over the edge. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's so true. We get used to carrying certain levels of anxiety and stress. I've noticed this in myself as well, because I, because whenever I get a massage, my shoulders are really, really tense. And I'm like, well, I don't feel tense. I don't feel anxious. <laughs> my body's fine. Um, but actually, it's just that my body has got used to being tense and on edge all the time. Right. Um, like learned behaviours because of trauma in the past that made me a bit on more on edge and more anxious. So I had to, I had to start unlearning that um, in my body, not just in my mind. And uh, I still haven't completely, you know. Uh, and it's interesting what what we can what we get used to without realizing it. Yeah, we're like the uh, frog in the kettle. Uh, we don't know that the water's getting hotter yet. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then obviously at some at some point our body just stops and tells us no, enough is enough. Like you've got to do something about this. Something is not right. Yep. You know. Um, so what did you what did you do to um, what steps did you take to process what was going on with you when you had these these symptoms? Uh, first, I just kind of shut down um, and didn't know what was going on. 
Uh, and then uh, I got physically sick, uh, pneumonia, and was off work. Um, and then as I was going through that and had some extra time uh, to um, just be thinking about what I was going through, I started realizing that what I'd been feeling for weeks was a mental health issue, and I needed to talk to my doctor about that as well. Uh, but it wasn't until I had that opportunity to uh, forced upon me. Uh, you know, when you have pneumonia, you, if it's um, anything other than the most mild case, uh, then it just completely mm. knocks you out. I never felt so tired as when I had pneumonia. Um, it just saps your body of strength. Yeah. Uh, so that also gave me time to think, <laughs> and I thought, uh, this isn't normal. You need to talk to your doctor about what's going on. Uh, yeah, and what, and what did they say? I mean, what did they recommend? What, what kind of treatments did you... I mean, not just in terms of the pneumonia, but in terms of your mental health. What did, what did, they, what did they say, and what, what, what did you have to do? Well, there was, uh, there was uh, anti-anxiety medication. Um, there were uh, uh, recommendations about um, behaviors. Uh, one thing to do is to stay with routine as much as possible, uh, he said, and Interesting. Uh, not. And then that's the problem. I'm in a campaign, and I've never done one of these before. So I don't know what the routine of a campaign is. And so when I was doing um, election activities, I had to make sure that they were not something that was going to interfere with the routine that I needed to also have in my life, um, exercise and work, uh, family, eating, uh, those types of things that I needed to maintain the routine on. Uh, a lack of routine will exacerbate the stress, and the stress is what leads to the uh, chemical imbalances in the brain, uh, your serotonin does not flow the way it's supposed to, and uh, if people want to look that up, they can, but um, it's just a, a matter of uh, if you have more routine, uh, you have less interference with how your body is working. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's right. Routine is really, really important, uh, and and like you say, an election, I mean, an election's a stressful thing anyway, because, you know, you're having to persuade people to support you um, while you're going through this big struggle with your physical health and your mental health, you know, and I, I'm guessing that, I, I don't know what it's like in, in, in judge elections, but uh, but in certainly political life, uh, when people run for office and they're sick, and they have they have a they have something they have a major illness that's often seen as a as a weakness it can damage their campaign uh, and I guess right. I, I mean was that the case in this in this in this election as well? Um, it wasn't capitalized on, and happily it occurred early in the election cycle. Um, one of my colleagues who had been extremely uh, politically savvy before he got on the bench uh, told me if you're going to catch pneumonia, uh, it's better to do it in February than in April when you have a June election date. Um, and so it, it worked out okay as far as uh, whether it had an effect on the campaign or not. Um, the, the thing about um, elections in California, too, or in a lot of places, you know, people don't uh, look at elected office in California as a lifetime career. I mean, they, we, we actually have term limits on uh, people in the legislature and for the governor's office and other elected positions at the state level. 
so you don't become a uh, legislator thinking that that's the career for the rest of your life. You don't even become governor thinking that's your career. You can only do eight years at most. Um, mm. But judgeships are considered a career, and you can still be taken out of it. So one of the things that kept going through my head during that election cycle was um, somebody wants to take my job away from me. And that was a frightening prospect. Uh, I wasn't uh, a, a member of the state senate and knew that I only had six years or eight years to serve. Um, and, uh, mm. you know, if somebody defeated me, then, okay, I got cut short a little bit. Uh, this was my job, and somebody wanted to take it from me. Yeah, and of course that brings its own set of anxieties and, and worries and concerns as well. Um, yeah, so how did you learn, I mean, so you said this is the beginning of the campaign. How did you find a kind of a routine and a, a way of managing and managing your mental health and your physical health uh, in a way which was healthy for you, but also was allowed you to continue your campaign? Um, I would um, spend time uh, exercising in the morning and uh, prayer with my wife and the things that we always did. Uh, evenings um, were uh, dinner with the kids and that sort of thing. And then I would carve out a portion of time that didn't take away from that uh, routine or the relationship I had with my family. But I would carve out a portion of the time to get some campaign work done. And occasionally I had an event that I needed to go to, and that meant that I wasn't going to do one of those other things. Um, but I was careful in how much time I put into the campaign so that it didn't interfere with the routine uh, because I knew that I needed to keep my health up. There was no way I was going to win that thing if I ran myself into the ground uh, too early on. That's kind of what happened with catching pneumonia uh, in February. I had already started to run myself into the ground. So I needed to back off from uh, that tempo and instead uh, find a way to pace myself through the rest of the campaign season. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you managed to do that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so important we take care of ourselves and we learn how to do that in a way that's, that's healthy. Um, and it's interesting that I noticed that you mentioned prayer um, that's something I, I wanted to talk about as well because obviously you have a faith and um, how did what was happening to you um, with your mental health and your physical health impact your relationship with God and, and your spiritual journey? I would say um, that it gave me a lot of time to think on what it means to believe in God and also know uh, that you are going through something that is horrible and uh, you would uh, like God to just take away from you miraculously and realize then that that's not what God is doing. Um, you know, mental health struggles are uh, not easy. Uh, I would say that I did not go through the worst thing possible or imaginable uh, to humankind. Uh, there are other things that people have experienced that are much worse, but it was pretty bad as far as my own experiences go. Um, and it was horrible and difficult and got me very sick. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of time wondering, um, why isn't this one of those times when God swoops in with a miracle and just takes it away from me? And instead, eventually coming out and realizing God made me a certain way, uh, this is how I react to things. 
Um, other people react similarly. Uh, most other people react differently uh, to these particular types of events. Uh, but everybody goes through hard times. And uh, so I learned a lot about um, compassion coming alongside people and uh, realized that God had done that for me. He brought a lot of people into my life who came alongside me during that time. That's fantastic. It really is. I, yeah, we... That's why it, it's... I find it really interesting that, that often people go click, find a deeper faith during these experiences and also that somehow a prayer life and a you know spiritual journey can actually help improve our our mental health um because i mean it was, it was really interesting that you you said one of the things which helped you was was having a regular prayer time with with your wife you know and i i think that's really really interesting yeah and i talk about that in the book what um our relationship is like and uh how we support one another um emotionally and uh, relationally, uh, spiritually, physically. Um, and in the book, I go into some other things, too. I talk about uh, judges, and uh, I have a, a chapter where I talk about where I came from in this and what the process was like to become a judge, which is part of what I think a lot of people are wondering about. Um, I talk about yeah. the courtroom and what it's like being in there. Yeah. Uh, also, um, there are some stories that I, I pull in from my uh, earlier life, uh, going all the way back to when I was four years old for one of the stories. But they all tie in with uh, experiences I was having during the judgeship. I think some of them are pretty funny. Uh, some of them, uh, some of the experiences that I described going through the campaign, I think people are going to find are um, going to uh, maybe uh, tug at their hearts a bit. Uh, other things they're just going to join me in, in laughing about. Um, and uh, if people want to know what it's like to be a judge in California, read the book. If you want to know what it's like to be an elected official who struggles with mental health, read the book. If you want to know what um, what it's like to come alongside someone uh, who is struggling, uh, I think the book can help with that, too, because, uh, as I mentioned in the book, uh, one in four people have anxiety or depression um, at some point in their life. Yeah. So everybody who thinks, well, I don't know anybody with any mental health issues, um, just doesn't realize that they know several people. Uh, if it's not them themselves, then it's a lot of people around them because one in four people at some point in their life are going to suffer from anxiety or depression or both. Yeah, that's a really, really important point. Um, yeah, so many people struggle with this. And sometimes we're not aware of just how many people it is. And you know, it's easy to say our oh, mental health is something that's out there that happens to other people. Um, when it can happen to us, and it can happen to people that we know and people close to us, and probably, and probably has some form of, like you say, some form of anxiety or depression. Uh, one in four people. That's a that's a power, that's a big statistic. You know, it's. Um, so it's really important that we're aware of that. I mean, what are the biggest lessons that you learned about about mental health, about anxiety, um, through this through this whole journey? Uh, one of the things is that it can happen to anybody. Um, you know, you might think, uh, well, uh, my group of friends or my family, uh, we're all put together, so uh, we're not going to have any of that happen to any of us. 
Uh, and I would bet that a lot of people who uh, knew me um, from church or from work or family, uh, before this happened, they would have said the same about me. And mm. uh, it can happen to anyone. And it's not uh, the stigma that attaches to mental health. Uh, we need to get rid of it. It's a health issue. Um, as I write in the book, um, you know, a heart attack is all in your chest and yes. mental health is all in your head. And go see a doctor either way yeah. because that's what you need. Um, it's That's all right. uh, a health issue. And, um, you know, you don't hear of elected officials who will say, by the way, I have uh, a diagnosed mental health issue, uh, anxiety or depression or something like that. So I thought it was important to be one who did say that uh, so that people will start to see that this is not something to have a stigma about, but just something to go see treatment about. I mean, if you're going to see treatment about skin cancer or about uh, an ingrown toenail or about, uh, you know, getting your appendix taken out because it burst in the middle of the night. I mean, if these are things that you go see a doctor for, then when your brain chemistry messes up, go see a doctor for that too. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's absolutely right. And I do, I love, that's one of my favorite quotes um, that, I, that I read before, yeah, when I was looking at the book. It was, uh, yeah, that... You know, if you've got <laughs> about about the heart and about the about the brain, and mm-hmm. yeah, um, you know, if mental illness is all in your head and a heart attack is all in your chest, you go and see a right. doctor either way. You know, it's 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 really that's really powerful. You know, it's uh, we need to we need to we need to get professional treatment. I've said this on the podcast many times that when you've got mental illness, when you've got anxiety, when you've got anything like that, go to a doctor. Go to Go to a professional and get professional support, and there's no shame in doing that at all. Um, it's the right thing to do um, because you need that support. We need that support, um, and I think I, I think as well. There's a with being a white man as well, or especially a white man, but men generally. There's also a bit of a stigma about mental health there as well, and that we're sometimes afraid to admit that we have mental illness or anxiety. Um, and uh, you know, and I've, I've experienced that with other people. Um, is that um, is that your experience as well? Well, yes. In, in, I don't know about uh, in the UK nowadays, but in the US, there are large portions of uh, the uh, the church, um, and we have so many different denominations here, um, so it varies from one to another, but there's such a large portion that just insists that uh, the man is the strong person in the family, no weakness, uh, take care of everybody else, uh, but uh, suck it up and get yourself uh, strong so that everybody knows that they can always rely upon you, uh, which has absolutely nothing to do with actually living out your faith, Mm. um, because there's nothing in Scripture that says that... um, if you uh, need help, you shouldn't be seeking it. And I go into detail in the book um, about how my wife was the strong one uh, for me so much. And there are examples I give throughout the book of what she's uh, what she did for me uh, through the campaign. And what was? I mean, just give us one example of that. Like one of the one of the, one of these things that that your wife did that that was really helpful. Um, one, I, it, it's one of the most revealing events, um, and I'd like people, if they're going to read the book, to experience it. But it uh, is like the, uh, the first time I completely broke down, and uh, she just um, 
completely wrapped me up, uh, both physically and uh, spiritually uh, at that point. Um, Another time, and this might seem trivial, but it's not, uh, we were driving from uh, our house to an event in the evening in a neighboring uh, city. Um, And uh, as we were going, uh, I was just trying to relax as much as possible, and she was driving. Uh, and it was just one of those things that she drove there and she drove back so that I could uh, not expend one more bit of energy than I had to uh, mm. before the event started. And then after it was over and I was done, it was a, um, a candidate's forum that was being re- uh, led by one of the um, uh, voting societies. And uh, when it was done, I was spent. <laughs> and so <laughs> she drove us home. And, you know, that people may say, okay, fine, so she drove. Um, but it was something. Uh, she didn't have to go to the event. She wasn't the one appearing there. Um, I could have done it without her. But, uh, you know, she just gave up her evening at home with the kids and took me to the event and sat there and waited until it was over and then drove me home. Yeah, and that's a, that, it's just those little things that matter. They're the, you know, little things that we can do to support people we know who have... Um, some kind of mental or physical illness um, that can just make life a little bit better for them. Uh, and, yeah, that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. You know, um, and it's important, I think, as well, like, for people around men to encourage them to be honest about their mental health as well because sometimes it's difficult for for men to admit it. You know, and, right. and so the people around them, I guess, need to be a bit more aware of how, like, it's okay to talk about this if you need to talk about this. It's okay to um, to to have anxiety. It's okay to go and see a doctor about your mental health. It's okay to do all this, just so that they, so that, so that, just to get rid of that stigma, really, um, so that so that men don't feel so so much shame or stigma about getting support. Yeah. One of the um, things about the stigma that goes along with mental health, uh, you know, it, you only have to uh, go to some portions of society uh, to see that mental health is looked on as some sort of uh, not just an illness that needs treatment, but a defect in a person's mm. uh, makeup that uh, goes to like a, a moral defect almost, uh, that you are a lesser person, uh, that you are morally corrupt. And people don't want to catch it from you as if this were a communicable uh, disease of some sort. Um, you know, we don't look at somebody and say, uh, oh, you had to go for, in for that emergency appendix uh, operation last night. Uh, I guess I better not come around you because that makes you morally deficient and I don't want to catch that from you. Um, and yet we look on mental health that way. Uh, it's just yeah. nuts. Uh, it's because it's not understood um, by people, I think, and people are afraid of the unknown. But it's just a health issue. <laughs> just get some help. Absolutely, yeah. When you boil it down, it's just a health issue. It's, you know, if, if you like, if, if it goes back to what that quote, like if, you, if there's something physically wrong with your body, you will go and get treatment for it from a doctor. And there's no shame about that. Uh, and it's the same with your brain chemistry. You know, your brain, it's just its just your brain chemistry. That's what it is. And uh, you can go and see people about it and you can get support and treatment. 
and you know that's there if you need it so yeah if we just boil it down to that that kind of that can help get rid of the of the stigma and the shame around it a little bit uh, and uh, so we get the support that we need um, so so since so obviously since you've obviously you've had the election and you've written the book now um, how how do you manage your mental and emotional health now um, since that experience well about uh, three years ago now uh, maybe uh, closer to four uh, I guess it is uh, I went through another uh, pretty stressful time my uh, father went in for emergency neurosurgery after he took a fall in his apartment uh, and that was in the summer of 2016 mm. uh, it was pretty debilitating uh, to him uh, he came out of surgery unable to speak uh, or to comprehend uh, words. He tried to communicate, but it was just sound, uh, and he wasn't understanding uh, what people were saying to him. Uh, he was 92 at the time, right. and uh, we didn't know if he was even going to survive the surgery, let alone uh, recovery, but he did. Uh, it took a while, uh, including time in a uh, physical uh, rehabilitation, physical and, and uh, neurological rehabilitation uh, facility, and then we moved him uh, straight from there to a senior assisted living uh, facility here in our town. And uh, it's a great place. They have uh, nurses and medical um, care on site. Uh, not like a nursing home, uh, but they have people who help manage medications and mm. uh, take blood pressure and things like that. And it, I call it a cruise ship on land because they mm. also, it's a beautiful apartment complex. And so he had his own apartment. Um, they had a, a dining room that was restaurant-style dining, uh, ordering from menus with servers and um, culinary-trained staff in the kitchen. Uh, they had program directors who ran games and events and brought in musicians and um, took people on trips and um, they had uh, housekeeping of course uh, so that um, uh, people had their laundry done and their beds made and apartments cleaned um, as I say it was kind of a cruise ship on land <laughs> as far as that part goes just a yeah. gorgeous facility but mm. I became the one who had to manage all of his care uh, his uh, his residence his um, medical care, he got to where his speech came back, but his cognitive abilities had suffered greatly, and he couldn't mm -hmm. manage any of those. He had a hard time right. with short-term memory, um, and right. uh, he certainly couldn't manage his own um, uh, living or medical care or any of that. So I handled that for almost three years, and uh, toward the end of that, uh, the stress got so bad that I went back. Well, at the very beginning, I went back to the doctor, and I said, this is what's going on. And they put me on some meds again. Uh, then things evened out. But toward the end, uh, shortly before he passed away, for the last couple of months, I went back on medication. Uh, and I've been on it ever since because now we're in this pandemic and it's stressful with that. And I'm still dealing with uh, stress issues that uh, mm -hmm. I, I think uh, piped up during his uh, illness, uh, his injury, uh, and uh, now just continue. So... Once we get past the pandemic, maybe things will uh, ease up. Yeah. But there's a lot of stress at work right now for trying trying to deal with uh, 
the um, uh, needs of the public health emergency we're in right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sorry that, that you've been through all that recently. I mean, uh, it's, just, it's just an example that we're, that we're often living with this stuff, that it's not just something that kind of go, comes and goes away sometimes, that we... You know, that it will come back or that we will have to that there are things that will happen in our lives that will cause us stress and anxiety and we have to acknowledge that and especially right now because it's a stressful time for everybody uh, and a lot of people are carrying a lot of um, grief and anxiety and it's important to to acknowledge that and to name that um, as, as I right. said before and, um, and one thing about the timing of it I mean from my campaign uh, back in 2008 uh, I went eight years without even a hint that I would need to um, go back on medication. I thought that I was done for the rest of my life. And then mm. something extremely stressful comes along and just sends you back into it. And happily, I recognized it early on, so I did not spiral down into mm. the depths that I describe in the book. Um, it's being managed, and that is a, a good thing for people to know that you can get into a, a mental health management uh, through... Uh, good care uh, from your doctor, good medication, uh, that uh, means that, that you're completely able uh, to function uh, while you're still dealing mm. with stress. And what would be, the, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned through your whole journey um, that you want to pass on to people? Well, this is another thing that my wife uh, mentioned to me a couple of times <laughs> during the campaign and afterwards in the, in the aftermath of it. Uh, and that is that I learned uh, how to understand the um, difficulties that others were going through, mm. to recognize them and understand them and find a way to accommodate uh, those mm. uh, things that people are going through. And I talk about how that happens uh, in the book. Um, you know, it's not a matter of giving someone a break uh, that they're not deserving of. Uh, it does mean uh, seeing that there are things that can be done. Uh, to make sure that everyone is still able to participate, uh, like in a court proceeding, um, even if they are going through uh, an extremely stressful time, stress that leads them into some sort of depressive or uh, anxiety-ridden uh, event or moment while they're trying to get their court stuff done. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I think it's it's really important that we share these kind of stories because people need they need solidarity and they need encouragement i think like we were talking about earlier you know when people who are struggling with 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 mental illness or anxiety um who maybe find it difficult to acknowledge it um it's good to it's good to hear stories like this to give them that encouragement that it's okay to talk about it uh, and to and to kind of break down the stigma um and it's a really powerful story so um i'm really grateful that you've uh, that you've come and shared that with us well thank you for giving us the time to uh, talk through this i think it's important for people um i also wanted to let your listeners know uh that uh for the book uh the publisher uh lists it at 20 uh, percent below the retail price but if your listeners, and I think this probably only works for those who are in the States because of the uh, shipping costs that are attendant to it, but um, for those who are in the States anyway, if you go to the publisher website, 
um, and order it from there. There's a code you can use for a 40% off list price. Oh, wow. Uh, and the code is JUDGE40. Uh, the 40 stands for 40%, I think. Um, so yeah. it's J-U-D-G-E-4-0, and all together. Um, and so that'll get you 40% off of the paperback. Um, I don't think it works on Kindle. It might, uh, but uh, Amazon UK uh, and Amazon US um, and other Amazon outlets now have the Kindle version available as well. Yeah. And it's called Running for Judge. Um, right. Campaigning on Trailer Despair, Deliverance, and Overwhelming Success. Um, and I, yeah, I definitely recommend it. And um, definitely take advantage of that offer, definitely. Uh, and where can people find your, your work and find you online? Uh, my website is timfall.com. Um, and I have been posting daily two minute videos. Uh, as we go through this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, trying to encourage people uh, with just short um, mm. comments and reflections and insights uh, and uh, talking about uh, scripture and prayer and family and um, work and relationships and kids and all sorts of things uh, on those. But they're only two minutes long. So instead of writing, I've been doing that, um, these two-minute videos. You can find me on Twitter and on Facebook as well. Uh, and uh, my videos are hosted on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel as well. So if you um, just look me up at Tim Fall, uh, Twitter or Facebook, um, you know, you'll find me in those places too. Uh, for Facebook, though, I do have to say, uh, send me a friend request, and then you can see all my stuff. <laughs> but Twitter's <laughs> wide open, and my blog is wide open, and YouTube's wide open. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And I'd encourage everyone to connect with, with Tim and, and his work. It's really, really great. So um, thank you, Tim, for coming on the show. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope this has been really helpful and encouraging for you.